Hey, Mitch Cavage, Savage Business, the podcast, coming to you live from the interwebs and all the places you're going to be able to hear the podcast. Now, the Savage Business podcast is an accumulation of a decade and more of time and experience and me just spending time doing what? Talking to business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, and just straight up savages just like you. Now, I'm going to bring on some friends of mine in the future. I'm going to talk to other interesting people, people that have got lots of reach and range, some that have a little reach and range. But more than that, they've all got a story to tell about how they got from where they are to where they're going to, how they got started in business. They got some cool anecdotal tips and ideas. And of course, share some of their truly savage and some of the wins that they've brought to, well, themselves their employees, their partners, their friends, their business or businesses, and their own life, how they got to where they're at. Now, I got a great friend in Rick and I, well, Mr. Rick Murawski, Reliable Welding, amongst other things, is joining us today as our as our guest on Savage Business, the podcast. And Rick and I have known each other for about eight or nine years now. So we've had some time. We've had some opportunities to rotate around the sun a little bit too. And we're going to dive in here. I'm going to start peppering Rick with questions. He's going to fill you in on some of his wisdom he's accumulated over the decades that he's spent in business. And, of course, help you to get smarter at your job. Rick, my brother, it is a pleasure to see you as always. I know we get to talk all the time. But thanks so much for joining us. Give us that short little snippet about you, just you, your business, and, of course, you know, some of the cool things that you've got going on. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me on here. Uh a little bit about me. I've been in business all most of my life. I started like when I was 17 and uh, made many, 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 many mistakes over the years. Uh, had some some good opportunities, uh, had to do a lot of growing. Uh, one of the things that never happened is I never had a coach until I met yourself, mm. which was a great asset, I will admit. And that's uh, the first thing I will tell anybody watching this is don't be afraid of getting a coach. It's done mm. us nothing but good. I wish I had learned that 20, 30 years ago. Um, we run a, a welding shop here in Nisku. We have gone through four major downturns, the longest one being a total of eight years, which, mm. believe me, uh, affected the financial pocketbook drastically. And, you know, then mm. in the good times, still took two or three years to help us get through it as uh, this COVID and everything has affected us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we're there, you brought up some of the past, some of the stuff you're in right now. Let's start on the past, right? Sure. Everybody got started for a reason. Everybody got started for a purpose. How did you get started where, where you're sitting at now? Because the past begets the present and the future. And you wouldn't be here if at some point you didn't just say, to hell with it. I got to... I got to do this. I got to do this all. I got to do this on me. I'll be honest. I've always had a desire since I've been young to become an entrepreneur. Uh, I find there's a mindset in every entrepreneur that, that you know, the easy road, or I'm going to call it the easy road, but, you know, to go get a job and work for someone else for 25, 30 years was never, ever in my, mm. I didn't know about that. That just didn't work to me. I had mm. an initiative to always figure things out myself. I just wanted to. I wanted to become wealthy. I wanted to become, a, you know, I see all these rich entrepreneurs and I wanted to be one of them. Ooh. That's probably the uh, <laughs> biggest, when you get into it in reality, you figure, find out that surviving a business, only 5% of businesses make it over five years. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, all the statistics, but I also had a partner, which even made it less than 5% success rate, but we've managed to pull off 40 years. Many good, many bad, but there is a desire in me to, even at my age, to want to keep growing. Mm. It's not about the money. That may have been my first initial thought is I was going to, I'm going to be a rich guy. I'm going to be a rich owner, but it's not about that. It's the daily challenges that drive me. It's watching the staff grow and have families. I probably more in personal enjoyment in watching things like that. When you look and have staff yeah. for 10 and 20 years of service with me now, I've watched them start as young people, you know, in there anywhere from 19 to 25 years old, turning into 50 year olds, watching buy houses, have children. Some of them now have grandchildren. It's created more personal satisfaction than any dollars will ever buy me. Oh, wow. Would you say that's one of the things that's that has stuck with you all this time, Rick? Like through yes. all of it? Yeah. Yes. That's always been, I tell everybody I hate money. <laughs> I realized I hate money. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, I can't do this for the money. You couldn't mm. pay me enough to do this job. It's the other stuff that keeps me here. Just as if you look at the employees and you do an evaluation, wages are like number five or six of why you work for a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had people leave here. You know, uh, I had one gentleman here a couple of years ago walk in. He started crying when he said, sorry, Rick, I've got offered such a big income that I have to leave your services. And he'd been here about six years. Well, he was back within about four months. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple do that to me uh, over the years. Uh, a lot of my staff that has left have become my competition, and I've remained friends with them. You know, we've worked together. I've never looked down at somebody that's trying to improve. Mm-hmm. If somebody says, mm-hmm. I need a hand, or how do you do something? You you just get behind them and you help them out. At the same token, I've also sat with my staff and said, shit hit the fan. Here's what I got to do to keep everybody employed. Can you guys help me? And they have yeah. stepped forward, whether it be through reducing hours, thinking out of the box, making some personal suggestions. The staff has helped us make it through a lot of tough times. I love the fact that you keep bringing up staff the way you do all the time. And I know that you're deeply invested in your people. What was, from the early days, what was one of the big things that, that was almost the killer? for business. You know, we have big challenges and little challenges and a lot of it can be endurance, but there's, we, we hit certain milestones, moments, and, and it's usually a challenge that is our step over the barrier. If we didn't step over it, we would have been doing something else for a living. Instead, we, we overcame that. Do you remember one specific one that stood out early on? A big one was, you know, in the eighties, we had the energy crisis come out. Mm-hmm. We went from never looking for work to no work in under five days. We also got hit with 20-some percent interest rates. You know, and people say, they don't believe that. Well, I pull out documents, my mortgage at 21% in 1991. And that's not high risk. That was the bank. I'm an optimist, and I always said, well, tomorrow's going to be better. How long can this last? And those obstacles are the things that we've had to overcome. They have been the hardest to do it. But once you step in and decide that you are going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to push your business, you have to be committed and I always believed I was committed. I've worked as a mentor for a few that I could tell they were not committed and it took very little for them to start changing direction, quit what they were doing. But if you commit to becoming an entrepreneur, 
and you have to have your, your family support. You can't just all fighting the world. You just got to buckle down and get her done. And somebody will help you or guide you no matter how you fall down. And the biggest thing is asking for help. Sometimes you, you stand there and go, you know, how do I say, look, geez, I'm in a financial bind. I need to borrow money. I can't get it. You know, you're kind of embarrassed, but mm-hmm. you just have to do it. It's, uh, it's like cold calling at a sale. You know, when you go knock looking for work, you're going to get seven no's before you get a yes. I was told that when I started, and that's a pretty true number. And I've also watched mm-hmm. salesmen that come into my office. It usually takes them five to seven times before I'll give them an order. Mm-hmm. But if you're persistent, people will work with you. But you, you've got to learn the tough stuff to be successful. You know, not everybody invents a magic wheel and never <laughs> looks back. All right, we're going to take a short break. And then we're going to pop back in and we're going to, we're going to hammer some more of this, Rick. Thank you so much. Hey, Savage Business Podcast coming to you live as well. Well, it'll be digital and recorded and you'll be listening to it decades from now too. We hope so as well. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, Mitch Cavage, Savage Business, the podcast. And we're back off for a break right now with my fantastic friend, Rick Morawski, Reliable Welding, other stuff as well. Been kicking it for 40 years. We just started talking about some of the past, those challenges, and his love, passion, and impression. And, of course, continued driver between his business because four decades in, guy's not slowing down. And that's what I love about engaging with him on a regular basis. Also, it just occurred to me that if we've known each other for about eight years or so, and you've been in business for 40 years, I've been tinkering inside of your stuff for like a fifth of your business life. God help you, my brother. <laughs> anyway, next part here, we're going to start diving in more, of course. And I love the way that you talk because you do, it blends between past and present, talks about challenges, you engage with your people. But we're going to focus a little more just on those challenges that we see in business. Of course, we've had some things that have cropped up in the past, ones that come back that are always kind of chronic, and then stuff that you're dealing with right now and why those are important. It just tells everybody else that at the end of the day, we're all in kind of this boat together. But we want to be able to hear how you went about just absolutely smashing those. So, Rick, when I say challenges to you, what's a big or an omnipresent or a consistent one that always seems to be coming back for you? And how are you going after that? There seems to be, I'm going to use the word challenges, and they're almost every day. It's every day. It's where is the work coming from? How do we get to our customers? Even though we have a customer base, it's still about getting new people every day. And when I, I talk, my challenge is to work two months ahead of today is what mm-hmm. our, in our shops, what I have to work is about two months ahead of today to keep work coming in the door. Doesn't sound like much. Everybody says, well, you got two months to catch up or we're so busy, but that's because I'm doing my job right. And if I don't do my job in two months, believe me, then the challenge is where's the money in the bank? How do we keep the people working? You know, do we have to lay people off? These become challenges. They are the quiet challenges that a lot of people don't think about. Second things that came in as as uh, since we started was growth factor. Mm. Come into at different levels. The challenge is, you know, you start out as maybe one person or two person people. The next step is how do we expand? So we get up to eight people. You know, is a facility big enough? Do we have the right equipment? Is a market there? 
these are becoming the challenges that you never know until you jump over the line. You can research, you can do all kinds of things, but until you yeah. really step over the line is when you find out whether banks are a large challenge because mm. in Canada, they want you to be out of your red within three years. Well, in business, that doesn't always hold true. It's you know, depending on the year you start, you could be hit with numerous challenges that knock you down, and, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you quit. And the banks out of the red and you making money are two different things. They're, so those are challengers that with a good, it doesn't have to be a good, an expensive accountant. It just has to be someone that you can work with to understand and put ratios that the bank is looking for. So mm. financial knowledge, like I said, you don't need to know how to do the books yourself. You need to know how to ask the right questions for those challenges. Um, and that's how you'll overcome them. A lot of people go, I don't know enough. And I'm going, it's the questions. And that's when you ask the people that have the proper knowledge. Mm. So those are probably some of the challenges that will hit everybody, no matter what industry you're in. I, I love bringing that in. What part of those are things that carry over into everyday life? Because business is business. And it becomes very personal. It becomes interpersonal. I mean, people make relationships in business. They meet their spouse or their partners. They meet business partners. They, they create business partners, et cetera. Some of these carry over into life as well. And what's been enjoyable, startling, stunning, angering that, that, it, that carries from the office to home after 40 years doing what you're doing? <laughs> it's funny. I had this conversation a couple nights ago. I volunteer with a few groups. We got talking about uh, politicians and people running a local city. And the person I was talking to was talking about applying for position on the board as a, an alderman. And in the conversation with me, he said, Rick, you have all the right questions. Mm. I said, what do you mean by that? He says, I... I backing up a little bit he said to me i have all the right questions i and that stunned me because i go i said well i don't know what the right questions are he said you ask them subconsciously right away because you have learned so much in business you know what questions to ask even though you don't know you're asking them. so when you uh say how do things transfer into your home life it's decision making it's stuff that carries you probably uh, evaluate things without even realizing, you know, mm. whether you're electing a politician or you're figuring out how to make your bank mortgage for your house, you do certain calculations and things like that that just a lot of people don't consider. Mm-hmm. Just do it at work every day. You know, we, we got to balance our checkbook, so you just naturally do it at home. You know, there is lots of carryovers that subconsciously you just do. I, I love that one. Uh, as Whenever, and you and I have talked about this any number of times, but as I talk to business owners repeatedly, I'm sure you meet this with partners, vendors, friends, competitors, whatever it is, that analogy about balancing a checkbook, like we're old enough, you and I both to know what balancing a checkbook actually means. Younger generation doesn't do it, but how startlingly smart a behavior that is when it comes to things like balancing your cash flow. Because balancing a checkbook, we used to have to look at how much we had and what we're going to spend and we're going to write a check for groceries and for our utilities, we had to set a check in for our mortgage payment, et cetera, you know, and then it came to digital. We had to literally keep track in real time what was going on with the money and how directly comparable that is to just managing the amount of cash in your wallet. Yeah. 
But if you manage to cash, if you, if you go back to a cash society, which is what I, I grew up on, though you didn't have a bank machines and of that. So you had the balance, the cash dollars, because we didn't have a lot of credit cards. Mm-hmm. So I, when I started the business, I didn't even own a credit card. Yeah. I did everything with dollar bills because that's all we had. That and checks. Yeah. Well, nobody writes a check anymore. But, yeah. you know, I had accounts set up with the local gas station by fuel for my big trucks. I could walk in there. If I need cash on the weekend, I could give them a check. That was the only cash machine was a local vendor. <laughs> so you learn how to figure out, geez, I'm going to go partying this weekend. I need, you know, at that time it was probably $60, you know, 20 for the car and 40 for drinking. You had to make sure you had the 60 bucks because the bank was closed at three o'clock on Friday. And it didn't open until Monday at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. So you just had to, uh, you had to know work. You had to balance your checkbook. You had to know what you were going to spend and try and live within that means. That has carried me through the still today, even though we have all kinds of lines of credits and everything, but you still got to balance them. You got to make mm-hmm. sure you have enough incomers to exceed the outgoers. Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you have to have uh, more incomers. Mm-hmm. You're trading fish or bananas doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, well put. Well put, sir. One of the big challenges that people have an awful lot, and I know that our audience is going to at some point want to hear this. People talk about that misnomer that is work-life balance. What's it like managing for you going back and forth from the office to home? 40 years and staying, I know you, staying married to the same person all that time is a testament. What's a, what's a big takeaway to, to navigate leaving the office and going home effectively because work-life balance doesn't really exist. It's not uh, real. So you have to be, I, I guess, careful or conscientious or have a very forgiving partner. But what's what's a part that stands out to you when I when I say that? Well, I've gone, I've made some mistakes. Work-life balance was a problem. Mm. And it's you get trapped in in the game, I call it. And for years, I was gone. My children were raised without me at home, basically. I was on the road. I was all over. That was a very poor, but my wife understood that's what we had to do to survive. That's what we had to do to get to where we are with, hopefully, down the road, be able to in- enjoy some of the things we had to put up with. And it does come. I spend time now with my family, my children, more than I ever did before especially, you know, when they were growing up. But now they're all young adults. I have a great time with my children mm-hmm. and their spouses now and stuff. But there was a time we had built this new shop in 2000 and I was so happy. I finally had this dream shop that I wanted. I had the yard, I had the building, I had cranes, I had everything in it. Yeah. And I was talking to my wife one day and she looked at me and she said, I hate that new shop. And I just was stunned. I said, but honey, I said, uh, you know, like, look, she said, do you realize you're never home anymore? That was a rude awakening. It was a very rude awakening. And I knew then I had to change. Mm. She wouldn't love me anyways, but I knew I had to change. That was probably about the time my cell phone got turned off every night. I mm. quit worrying about missing a phone call at 10 o'clock at night or at midnight because some drilling rig was broken down. I just said, enough. 
And I started trying to come home at a reasonable hour and uh, taking weekends off and decided that you know, the, the business is going and, in fairness, also bringing up staff to take over my role, which mm-hmm. is something, um, you know, as uh, you know, Mitch, you've been working with me on it, training my staff so that I can get more time. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody hears it, but do you listen to the fact that, you know, you're you're going to regret what you didn't do instead of what you did do. Yeah. When an almighty day comes. So, yeah. yes, equal time. You, I mean, you're, you have to look after your business. You can't just walk away, but you can work with others. You can work within the organization of it. Even if it's your two or three people, you can still work something. Say, we each start a different shift. We do something. And or we do alternate weekends or whatever. You don't need to be there every day. You have to trust your people and you have to train your people so you trust them. So these are things that uh, definitely to balance your work and home life. Or you will, you can have a lot of money, but I know, and I'll be honest, I know many business owners that are very, very, very wealthy, but don't have a home life. Mm -hmm. It costed them their home. There you go. The family doesn't talk. They've been divorced three times. You name it. They're wealthy. They got way more money in the bank than a lot of us. But that's the price they paid for it. So you got to make your decision what you want to make your balance with your family. Oof. And on that note, we're going to pop out for our next break here. Rick, laying down wisdom as always. Thank you so much for that. Savage Your Business podcast. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back very shortly. And then we're going to start looking at the future. What's coming up next? Be right back. We are back. Savage in Business, the podcast. And my brother from another mother, Rick Murawski, is rocking it with us. Reliable, other cool stuff going on. And he just dropped some heavy before we came into our break there about really watching over what's going on on that home life side of things. This last part here, brother, while we're, while we're rocking into here, it's all about the future right? We start out in certain places. We think that we've got a a lot of drive and ambition. We think we can stick with it for a while. Not a lot of people get the privilege of looking back over 40 years, sticking with the same thing like you. That's a hell of a journey. But of course, you didn't get here to just rest on your laurels. There's what's coming next. We're always thinking now, what do I do to take care today and planning for tomorrow? What does Rick's future look like? What's going on with you? What's going on with your various ventures, businesses, how you're rocking right now? When you look ahead a year, two years, five years, what are you seeing? (laughs) Well, good question, Mitch. In my own brain, I still think I'm probably 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. My secretary yesterday found out how old I actually am. I'm in my 60s. And she went, what? I thought I looked young. I'm a little overweight, chubby guy, <laughs> but I have a lot of uh, ambition. the The business is one thing. I'm always looking forward to the future. Yeah, so I volunteer through a group called Community Futures. It's a lending thing. I work on the board of directors, which helps me also for my own office learning proper etiquette and stuff like that. There's everything I do. It helps me, but it's not all done for the business. It's done for me personally. This is my home life again. Yeah. I, I mentor uh, young entrepreneurs. 
I work with uh, Business Economic Group as a volunteer in all of this. It's as you get older, and as you've said, Mitch, uh, there's I have 40 years. Hopefully, I can bring some good to a lot of people. So, growing as I keep getting older, I will want to slow down in my office. Uh, request from me, you know, maybe only work two, three days a week, but I still want to grow the business. I want to amalgamate with other groups. I, you know, it's not about just getting up here, selling it and cashing a check. That's the least of my worries. It's what does Rick want? Why do you do this? Why do you, why did you get in this business? And, it, you know, everybody says, or it took me a long time. People say, well, you start a business, make all this money. Well, the truth is you actually start a business to sell a business. Yeah. That's part of the factor. But how do you sell it? Do you incorporate it with somebody else? Do you sell it out for cash? Do you work so your employees take over? There is numerous avenues you can go down. So in as you move forward into the future, you got to start planning different things. And you may not know which one is going to go, but a lot of this stuff takes the same effort. The same groundwork has to be set. You have to have good books. You have to have great people. You have to have everything to get any value out of your business and move it forward. So when you're doing that, you have to decide what your future is going to be, what role you want to play. You know, for me, I want to stay active. I'm, I'm maybe in my 60s, but I'm a long ways from dead. So I want to, uh, yes. I look at it that if somebody wants to, for example, buy me out, I'm saying, well, how can I work with them to grow their client? Mm. It becomes a, it's not about the money. It's about personal gratification. And you, if you're not getting that, you're in the wrong business. You're in, you know, go find something different because you should not go through life unhappy. So for my personal gratification, it's about how can I help the next level with the business, expand it, grow it amalgamate it and i am actively working on that with a couple different groups i have uh, three groups right now that are looking at me going hey we have an idea so i am don't know which road we're going to end up on in the but i'm working with each group saying let's get to the next level we'll single it down but in every one of them for me it's about helping them win because I'd like to make it a win-win. It's no good if I win and they lose, or they lose, or you know, they win and I lose. That's no good either. So if we can make this all a win-win, that's the end goal. Next thing I was going to ask you, and you, I think you've already answered it already. If you had to lay out one easy tip for everybody in business, I think you just hit it. That and the other tip that I'll tell everybody is make it easy for them to say yes. Whether you're talking to your banker or you're buying shoes, make it easy. You know, uh, someone told me that years ago, and it's, I watch a lot of entrepreneurs make it very difficult for their customer to come and do business with them. They throw mm. all these obstacles up in front. And I'm going, stop. Most of them can be dealt with down the road, but make it easy. If, if there's something they don't have, help them get it. Make it easy for them to say, yeah, we want to work with you. I had this scenario just the other day with a very prominent company. They they know what they're doing. Their young engineer sent over a bunch of stuff to quote, and I'm going through it. And I phoned him up and I said, well, I see these things in the drawings, uh, but I don't see them in your paperwork. 
And gentleman said, Rick, can you help me? Tell me what I need to know. I said, I was busy that day, but I said, fine, give me a couple of days. I'll go through it all. And I did. And I laid it out to him, everything that we needed, the extras, everything. They're a great company to deal with. Now I do all their work. So it's nice that their young staff already knows to give me a call. What's interesting with that is the next thing I was going to ask you is what would be advice you'd give to, let's say, the younger you or somebody who's coming up? And that's that's stunningly important. Make it very easy for people to do business with you. And in this case, you're talking to an engineer that's just a cog in somebody else's machine. Yeah. But you took time to be able to step in and say, hey, here's a way for that to work. And so it's going to stick with him going forward to everything. But it was making it easier for you to do business with them. Yeah, very uh, and I know a lot of people don't do that. Some companies I know look for all the mistakes and figure out, well, how can I back charge everything? Mm-hmm. That's You can do okay doing that under the right circumstance and the right contracts. You got to watch who you're playing with. But if you're doing it to hurt a little company or that's wrong, I've dealt with some people like that. Their biggest thing is how do we set you up to fail so that we can back charge yeah. Uh, in the end, what happened is, and I can tell you there are no names, but there is a few that I ran over. They ended up losing it in the end because they were always trying to stab everybody. And we had it recently that a gentleman walked in our shop. He looked at a product and he said, that belongs to so-and-so. And I said, yes, it does. Are you getting paid? He said, I said, well, this is a third project and it's getting worse every time I deal with him. He says, Yeah. Here's two other shops. Give them a call. All of a sudden, I touched base with five shops. All of us had the same problem. Ah. Oh, I phoned a customer up and I said, this seems to be a continual problem. Uh, What are you going to do about it? And if you'd like me to name the other three or four shops that I've already spoken to, I said, I just want you to know we all know each other. And uh, I tell you, my money started coming right away. (laughs) I said, I'm going to booch out of here. (laughs) So there's good people and bad people. Yeah. But, uh, you know, these are just some of the you know, challenges that come up that, you know, and as you move forward in the future, as you grow, every time you grow your business, you're going to find a new set of peoples. It's going to be good and bad. There's going to be some that will help carry you to the nth degree. And there's others that are just going to try to set you up for a fall. Oof. Oof. Love it. Love it. I got two left for you, brother. One, think of one instance in life where you were the boldest you've ever been in life or in business. Now, (laughs) after after so many years, there could be a lot, one hopes, but uh, one that jumps out to you right away. Oh, one that jumps out to me. I will never forget it. It's been, I was down in California in a meeting and I'm sitting with a group of business people and we're negotiating this deal. And the head guy, I'm sitting at one end of the table. There is like 10 of us. I've happened to have gotten one end of the table. This billionaire gets the other end of the table and he's the big money. He's, he's worth billions. And uh, so he looks over and he says, so Rick, when are you going to come and work for us? And I just, I don't know why, out of the blue came, I'm not looking for a fucking job. (laughs) There was dead silence in that room. And I realized what I just said. Yeah. 
it was about as bold as I could get. And I just did it so unintentionally. So I sat there for, you know, a minute seemed like an hour, but it was probably a full minute where nobody said a word because you don't speak to this gentleman like that. And he looks up and he looks at me and he says, yeah, you're part of the deal. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, wow, that's probably been the biggest thing I've ever done. I've never talked to a man of that much financial power. (laughs) And I was so backwards about it, (laughs) you know, but yeah. It was uh, something I've never forgotten. And that isn't that many years ago, but yeah. And I, the looks that when I said it, the looks from the other people, like it was like daggers coming at me. <laughs> Love it. Last but, one. I, I got to hit you with the last one. Of course, we call it the Savage of Business podcast. When I say the word savage in business, how do you, how do you define that? What jumps out to you? And how has being a little savage from time to time contributed to getting to where you're at? To expand, move forward. I mean, there's a forest out there and sometimes you just got to push through the trees and and, and go, you know what? I'm going to make a, a good sound decision. You always do a calculated risk. You know, you just have to push forward. You just got to yeah. go, you know what? I don't know every obstacle, but... We're going to just push through this. There's a saying, I can't quite remember it. I have to to get up, but it was, you know, don't let all the the little things stop you from doing the big thing. Yeah. Every person in business has a different mindset. I don't get caught up in the minutia. Mm. I set a plan. I understand there's lots of little questions, but whether we paint the floor blue or green is really irrelevant if we're going to buy a building. Yeah. These are those are things that change. If we got to buy a building, what do I need? It's the majority of everything I need there. You know, is it the right size property? Uh, you know, same whether you're buying vehicles. You know, if I got to haul twenty ton, don't buy a pickup. You know, you got to. Yeah. Even though you know the big truck's going to take more expense on tires and fuel and all that, you have to just push forward. If you're opening or expanding your business, same thing. You can look at all your competition. You'll look at who it is, but. You just got to sometimes just knuckle down and go, you know what? We're doing it. And Mm. I did that myself when we opened this new shop. A few people came to me and one came to me prior, two years or three years prior. And he said, Rick, this is not the time. And it was a gentleman that I admired and watched what he did. So when he told me to hold off for a bit, he said it would probably be in your best interest. I did. Mm. But about two years later, I realized now was the time. And I walked up to my business partner and said, I'm building a new building. I'm making the call. I'm doing this. And if it's all wrong, you can blame me. But I believe now is the time and it's not open for discussion. Hell yeah. We're going to finish strong on that note. Rick, my brother, thank you so much for popping in today and laying down some wisdom, coming in strong and sharing 40 years of accumulated expertise, experience, blood, sweat, and tears, and just balls out going to war every day in business. Brother, I appreciate you and love you very much. To everybody out in digital land, thank you so much for joining us today on the Savage Business, the podcast. Of course, come over and check us out, MitchCabbage.com, SavagePlaybook.com. Take a look at our high-end program as well. Come and check us out at the Worldwide Entrepreneur Academy, and we are looking for more entrepreneurs on fire to get in of course, have a conversation like this and share some of their great wisdom. Rick, 
Thank you so much, brother. It's been a Thank pleasure. You, Appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out to me. You got Appreciate it. it. Hey, go get yeah. them to the tribe out there. Stay savage. We will talk to you very soon.